Well, it's Valley Boys Day, 818. That's the area code here in the Valley. Even though I'm in Orange County, I'm still a Valley Boy. Gross. I can't believe, I can't believe it's already mid-August. Ugly Guy Summer is almost over. And then what? Ugly Guy Fall, I guess. Ugly Guy Autumn. It's the same thing, but uh, it's a bunch of us gargoyles in flannel drinking dumpster beers, you know? All right. Welcome to episode number Who Gives a Shit of the Valley Boys. I am your host, Dave Weasel. Let's get this over with. So on the last episode, or I don't know, the one before, whatever, I mentioned how there was this awful crossroads in my life of combining a chin strap beard with a fedora, you know? The two, the, the two totally separate things that for a brief moment of time, they, they crossed each other. Now, there was a kid at a gas station who thought I was a leprechaun. And I mentioned that, and a few of you have asked me to tell that story. So you want it? You want that? You want that vile story? Fine. I'm standing in line at the gas station, right? And there's this little kid. He's maybe five or six, and he keeps looking back at me, but staring at me like I'm a unicorn or something, you know? But instead, he thinks I'm a leprechaun, as it turns out. Yeah, a real live leprechaun. And I'm just there in my fedora, in my chin strap beard, trying to buy my stuff, feeling a little bit like a circus act. And this kid, he just keeps turning around and look at me. And it's not an innocent look, all right? It's like uh, he keeps thinking I'm going to whip out a pot of gold and dance a jig or something. And I can hear him. He starts telling his mom. He goes, hey, mom, there's a leprechaun behind us. <laughs> and I'm just there like, okay, that's cool. Um, and the mom, uh, she tries to shush him. And this kid, he's relentless. He's like a, like a dog with a bone. He's not letting go. He goes, you know, mom, mom, seriously, look, there's a leprechaun. And he's just, he's kind of shouting it at this point. And I laugh because what else are you going to do? It's funny. And the mom gives me this like, you know, I'm sorry that my child thinks you're a mythical creature look. You know, the kind that people do. And I just nod back because, you know, at this point, I'm used to the whole leprechaun thing. Um, but then they're at the counter. And I decide to, the kid keeps looking back at me. And I just go, hey, and the kid, oh my God, you think I just revealed the secret of life. He goes nuts. He's like, mom, mom, he's a leprechaun. We got to get him. And he's screaming this. And the mom, she just grabs a kid like he's a ticket dime bomb and they run right out of there, you know, and he's still screaming about pots of gold and magical powers and whatever else. So I pay, I, I'm laughing still. I pay and I feel like I've just been fart, uh, fart, part of some weird fever dream, fart of some weird fever dream. And as I'm leaving, they're driving out and the kid, He's in the car, and I can see him in the back seat. He's still going at it. He's yelling, bye, leprechaun. He's waving like a madman, and his mom, like, practically burns bur burns out to get out of there. And there I am, you know, left standing with my, with my chin strap beard, my fedora, and a shitty story that probably no one's going to believe. Because, honestly, you know... Who could even who would who would even make that up? It's like the universe looked at me and said, you know what would be really funny? Let's turn this guy into a leprechaun to a child. Anyway, that's the day I learned that children are terrifying. And I really needed to rethink my fashion choices. Man, when I was a kid like that, man, I loved music. I still do. Um, you know that there's there's always bands that you loved when you were a kid uh, that you still do now? For me, it's Green Day. I still listen to um, Dookie and Insomniac. Uh, back in the day when it came out, um, I got the Insomniac CD at the grocery store of all places. You know, between the bread and the vegetables. Nothing's more punk rock than picking up music in the dairy aisle. So anyways, my mom, she didn't ever let us listen to music with swearing in it, you know, or movies or anything at all. It's kind of ironic because this very podcast has a warning about my foul mouth. And yet back then couldn't listen to anything with even a dash of profanity. So she takes a CD and she opens it up to find the lyrics. You know, she's on a hunt and I'm just going, oh, oh wait, 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 wait. My favorite song, it's called Tightwad Hill. 
okay? Because there's no swearing in it. I mean, sure, the song is about scoring drugs, prostitutes, and being a junkie, but my 11-year-old brain thought, oh, hey, there's no swear, so it must be kid-friendly. <laughs> what kills me is there's literally a song on there called Brat, which is about a dude waiting for his parents to die so he can get the inheritance, and oh, man, did she lose her mind reading that song. Naturally, she made me return the CD to the store, and the funniest part is they accepted it. Can you believe that? I go up to the cashier at the grocery store and I'm like, excuse me, sir, this CD has swears on it. And he's like, oh, geez, well, I guess we have to take it back as if they accidentally sold me a case of Molson Canadian or something. For years after this, um, anytime we'd watch a movie or hear a song with even a hint of rebellion, my mom would gasp and, you know, she'd say, is this trying to teach you to kill me in my sleep and take your $9 inheritance? Uh, she believed that if a song had one single curse word in it, a demon might RSVP your dinner party. Bring in, uh, he's your plus one, you know? That's what they think, the Jehovah's Witness. I'm not making this up. Uh, if you're watching a TV show or jamming to a song that has a swear in it, you know, you're basically unlocking your front door to a demon. It's like, hey, Lucifer, break a bad marathon. BYOB, bring your own brimstone. Imagine believing that. You're sitting on the couch and a demon's going to sit next to you? What's he going to do? Critique Walter White's decisions? You know? Be like, hey, this is a good idea. You should sell drugs and fart on orphans or whatever. I don't understand what a demon in the house even tries to get you to do. Jehovah's Witnesses, man, they believe that. What's going to happen? You're about to pour a bowl of Cheerios and he whispers, ever tried them with blood? You know, and suddenly breakfast becomes an episode of Hannibal. And you know how we sometimes have those little urges, you know what I mean? The ones that we don't act on. Like, there's a French word for it. I don't know what it is. But, like, let's say you're standing on the edge of a cliff or a subway platform and you think, what if? Well, with your new demon buddy, that becomes a lively debate about physics and free will and the fleeting nature of existence. And you just... Before you know it, every shadow in your house isn't just a lack of light. It's him. Your plant dies. That's his work. Your cat staring at the wall for no reason. Ah, the demon got him too. And now they're plotting against you. Now, here's a twist. After months, months and months of this... The, you, you gotta wonder, is the demon there because of some sort of song lyric you heard once? You know, if, if you've experienced this, it's probably a manifestation of your own inner darkness. You know, he's always there. I don't know why they believe it, believe in this, you know? But hey, demon, bring it on. I got a whole playlist for my demons to jam out to. Anyways, what else? It just says cyclist. I almost got hit by a cyclist yesterday. Um, I was out there on the street smoking a cigarette. Does that ever happen to you? A cyclist just whizzes past you, almost missing you, and like just by a millimeter. Okay, it's like they're auditioning to the for the tour to Newport Beach. I mean, I get it. Biking's good for the environment. It's healthy. The LA subways always have a gross old naked lady, and the whole place smells like a dead body that every stray cat in LA pissed and farted on. But some of these cyclists, they move like they're the only ones on the road. I swear, I've seen a cyclist cut off my Uber driver and give us both the finger. You know. It's like, yeah, okay, you're on a bike, dude. This is 4,000 pounds of metal. You're like a little shitty chihuahua barking at a lion. Oh, dude, the outfits they wear. These skin-tight neon bodysuits. You can see every detail. You know, like, cool, I'm just in line for coffee, but now I got a full anatomy lesson. Looks like your parents didn't believe in circumcision. But that's not it. It's the confidence, you know? These guys will cut off a bus, weave through pedestrians. All while maintaining that facial expression that says, I'm saving the planet. What are you doing? You know what? I'll tell you what I'm not doing. Dying. Getting hit by a car. Honestly, I just want to sit them down and say, listen, Lance Armstrong, you're like, we're all trying to survive this city. Let's make a deal. Okay. I won't 
walk in the bike lane if you don't turn the sidewalk into the tour de death trap, all right? But then again, every time I see a cyclist, you know, going at it uphill, struggling against gravity, pushing with all they got, no, I don't admire that. I just think better you than me. They got those superstitions too, you know? I got a friend who's very superstitious, and he's the type of person that, you know, he keeps making the wrong choices, and he wonders, why, oh, why does this keep happening to me? I keep making risky, impulsive decisions, but it's everybody else's fault. That's a red flag, by the way. I love this guy, but for the most part, you don't want to be with people that are like that, you know, where they keep blaming everybody else for getting burned, but they won't stop putting their hand on the stove, okay? We talked all about horoscopes before, the type of people that attracts. It's funny, um... When they find out I personally don't believe in that at all, and I kind of secretly judge people who do, or at least question their decision-making, they make a point to try to prove to me that there's a scientific merit to a horoscope. They sound just like the Flat Earthers or the Westboro Baptist Church protesters. I mean, everybody's got their beliefs and hobbies. You know, I like blasting bitches on video games. I like playing music. But these people are, it's like they're assigning fault to someone's zodiac sign, you know? The only thing your astrology sign says about you is what time of the year your parents had sex in. And maybe there's something there. You know, I was born in September. So my parents decided to get uh, cozy in December. Perhaps my dad was feeling a little lazy, decided to take a risk, and I inherited that impulsiveness. But you know what? That's quite a stretch. But it holds more weight than any supposed scientific merit astrology has. But also, I don't really consider myself impulsive, so that's a bit of a moot point. If you've ever made a major life decision that didn't pan out because a, hor because a horoscope told you that and it keeps happening time and time and time again, I don't just question your judgment. I think you should go to the hospital. Oh, a tarot card told you you should move in with the person you've only known for a month? It's just like if your erection lasts more than four hours taking Viagra, go to the hospital. You make regular appointments with a psychic who's trying to help you with your financial recklessness? Hospital. And maybe an accountant. So, it's back to school season, huh? It's that time when your kids suddenly remember they need to eat three meals a day and somehow you've got to figure that out along with everything else. I remember being a kid and school lunches were something like a mystery meat sandwich with a side of dread. Now, you've got this option. It's called Every Plate. And I've got to tell you, it's America's best value meal kit. It's not messing around. Every Plate is 25% cheaper than going to the grocery store. No hidden fees, no nonsense. And that pre-portioned ingredients, it's like... They looked into the soul of every parent who has ever tried to measure out spaghetti and said, hey, we got this. You cook once, you eat twice with their new dinner to lunch dishes. You won't feel like you're just eating leftovers. It's something crafted like sweet soy chicken tacos for dinner, then chicken stir fry for lunch. It's just smart. Fall's coming up, and if you're like me, it's going to be jam-packed. With every plate, you've got fewer trips to the store, meals in six simple steps, less time worrying about what to cook the kids' dinners, lunches, and more time to, I don't know, breathe, take a break. It's a solution, a way to deal with the chaos that is life. Instead of takeout, you've got these meals that are 50% cheaper than your fast, casual meals. You could save money and still eat something that doesn't taste like cardboard. And I guess we've got to care about the planet, right? Every plate sure does. They're offsetting 100% of their delivery emissions and their meals have a 31% lower carbon footprint. That's like eating, but without all the guilt knowing that it's destroying the planet. Plus, the packaging is curbside recyclable in most areas of the U.S., so you're not just throwing things away. You're being responsible. There's variety, too. 26 different recipes every week. 
You're not just stuck eating the same thing over and over until you question all your life choices. And they've got all sorts of extras, sides, lunches, snacks, desserts. It's a little bit of everything. It's like life, but less confusing and more delicious. Now, here's the thing. At first, I thought meal kits were just another way to spend money, but every plate, it's got a lower price point. I found that I could get the same quality food without breaking the bank. I've saved money and time, cooked all alone, cooked with friends, enjoyed different recipes, and hey, it's not a miracle. It's just a decent option when you're tired and you want to try something that doesn't suck. So here's what you can do. Get started with every plate for just $1.49 per meal by going to everyplate.com slash podcast and entering code 49valleyboys. That's everyplate.com slash podcast and entering code 49valleyboys. <laughs> I don't know, man. Blast of bitches in video games. Man, I've been playing that shit since kindergarten. The original um, Super Mario Brothers. Do you remember those? The OG Nintendo. They had cheat codes, okay? The, the, the They were so sacred. You know, you'd find one, and you're suddenly the Da Vinci of video games. You know, you're holding this piece of paper. You're just, you're just thinking, with this code, I will become a god of ghosts and goblins. And these codes were never simple. They were like you know like press a to wait now it was like uh, a rhythm game mixed with a complex algebra equation you know up up down down left right left right b a start and if you messed up the game wouldn't be like nice try champ it would just freeze and you'd have to blow into the cartridge like it's a harmonica but now kids today they just google the cheat codes how to beat mega man it's like asking a magician how he did his trick and he's like sure kid here's a pamphlet with a detailed explanation with pictures Googling a cheat code, that's too easy. It's like reading the last page of a mystery novel first. In the good old Nintendo days, cheat codes were something you earned. You'd hear a rumor, you know, like an urban legend. Hey, did you know that there's a secret cheat code passed down from the ancient gamer monks in the 8-bit temple? Press these buttons and your character gets a top hat. But don't tell anyone. Now everything's online, the mystery's gone. Cheat codes have been replaced with in-game purchases. Of course, it was all bullshit, though, those, you know, the, the top hat ones. Link never had a top hat. Mario never had a sword. These are all lies I just told my brother to get him because <laughs> I wanted to watch him try and get it. God, what a dick. But you know what? Why learn a, a secret code when you could just buy success with your mom's credit card? Just don't tell her. Or level 10 will cost you your allowance. Man, I miss those Nintendo days. Again, that was all before Google. Cheat codes were whispered like forbidden spells, you know? And your friend's basement was a secret gamer dojo. Not in a creepy way. I should Google how to recapture my lost youth. There's no cheat code for that, though. There's no cheat code for anything that's good for you. That's the thing. You ever notice how everything in life that is awesome is bad for you? And they keep changing what's bad for you? It's like, just when you find out there's something that you love. There's a scientist in a lab coat waiting around the corner to ruin it. Take red meat. It's amazing, right? You bite into it and you hear the choir sing, but then they go back and forth. Now it's bad for you again. Not just bad, but like leading a rebellion against your arteries bad. Next, they're going to have warning labels at Safeway and it's just, a, it's just a pamphlet on funeral planning. Bacon and eggs used to be breakfast. Now it's a dare by a demon you brought in the house by watching a Wes Craven movie. Butter's now a political statement, you know, and people have those cheat days. You know, it's like you see your candy stash every other weekend like a divorced dad. And even vegetables can be bad now. Eat your spinach and you'll be strong like Popeye. 
That's what we always thought. But now it's, oh, by the way, spinach might give you uh, kidney stones. Thanks to that one-eyed bitch Popeye. They give mixed signals about coffee, too. You know, one day it's good for you. The next it's not. I just picture my cup of coffee looking at me and saying, I don't know what I want from this relationship either. You know, it's next breathing. Oh, you breathe, do you? Studies show that 100% of people who breathe eventually die. Maybe cut back on that oxygen intake. It's like life is just waiting to take all of the fun stuff and turn it into a health hazard. I mean, I get it. We're supposed to enjoy them cautiously, sparingly, and with a side of existential dread. Moderation and moderation. What a strange dichotomy. The tiny things in life that give you a shred of joy also bring you your impending doom. <laughs> I mean, you ever look at yourself and think, how did I get this fat? I mean, I don't really eat a lot, but I eat like a raccoon that just discovered a dumpster behind the candy store, you know? I never really finish a meal, but when I do eat, it's all garbage. It's like I'm personally on a mission to find the worst things to put in my body. I've got a stash of M&Ms by the bed. It's not even because I'm obsessed with them. It just feels like I'm planning to build a, a, a monument to my bad decisions. Oh, and cheese? I love cheese, you know? I think I'm single-handedly keeping the dairy industry in business. You can get a McChicken with cheese. Who asks for that? Me, apparently. It's like, can I have a side of a heart attack with that? I mean, what's next? Ice cream with cheese. Why not? It's like I'm conducting a science experiment with my stomach, and the hypothesis is, uh, how can I make everything worse for myself? Sometimes I wonder if my taste buds uh, were replaced with tiny masochists, you know, all clamoring for the next terrible combination. It's like they're saying, remember that time you ate something healthy? That was awful. Don't ever do it again. You know, I look at myself in the mirror and I think, well, I could go to the gym, but then my brain goes, or you could find out what happens when you put cheese on a donut. That's a discovery you only make once. So whatever. Here's to bad eating and bad decisions, man. Embrace your filth. That's what we say on here. Still playing video games, man. I still love playing video games. I got that I got that Call of Duty going every single day, you know? And that shit keeps getting more and more realistic over the years. Now, I remember way back in the day when the NHL games, you know, like late 90s, it got so advanced, you could kind of see the logos on the jerseys, and that blew our minds. But you know what, man? Next is going to be so realistic, you can see on the players' faces the NHL doesn't test for cocaine. That's how detailed it's going to be. And the coaches on the bench, they're going to be yelling at you for your life choices. It's weird how Sony kind of came out of nowhere, like whatever that was, 25 years ago, and they became king. And then Microsoft one day threw, threw their hat in the mix, and they held their own for a while, but what's next? I'm sure if Bill Gates did it, the next guy is probably going to be Elon Musk, you know, incorporating AI into video games. He can call it the Twitter box because Bill already beat him to the Xbox. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. It's not even going to be a physical console, I think. I, I think it's going to be a chip implemented into your brain. You know, you get a nosebleed every time the graphics update. You'll be playing multiplayer with your teammates, and they'll be like, hey, can you focus on the game? Your perverted thoughts are everywhere. Also, dude, she's your second cousin. Get a grip. You know, parental controls would require a partial lobotomy. <laughs> the new system will be so realistic, it will leave you for someone with more money. You're going to need to go to like a like a conversion camp to get out of that. And that's a real thing we still got, you know? And and in some places, we they've still got the gay conversion camps for kids. Now, what's that about? You know, that's like telling a dog he's a cat and then showing him pictures of a bone and being like, you don't want this hot, spicy bone. <laughs> Instead, I, 
let's round up all the racists and send them to a conversion camp. Now, hold on. Not one of those scary nightmare places. Now, this would be more like a summer camp, you know, but for full-size idiots. Picture that. The counselors, okay? They're everything these bigots can't stand. Every race, gender, sexual identity. Man, they'd be freaking out like a cat around a vacuum. And oh man, could you imagine the games they play at a gay, or at a at a racist conversion camp? You know, remember that bigot bingo we were talking about um, a few episodes ago from when I had that odd Uber ride? You know, lots of misplaced MLK quotes. Bingo. Cries of, I'm not racist. My great, 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 great grandfather was Irish, so clearly I've had it rough too. Bingo. You know, in every camp movie, there's that one kid who's sobbing in his bunk because he wants to go home on the very first day. That would be every single one of them. They'd be like, I don't belong here. I've got a black friend. <laughs> oh, God, and trust falls? Dude, trust falls at a racist conversion camp? Can you picture that? They'd all be dropping like they've never trusted anything in their lives. A bunch of malfunctioning robots crashing into each other. But the food, all right, the food might be the real education here, you know? You give a racist, authentic Mexican nachos for lunch. You know, at nighttime, they're roasting kebabs around the campfire. Maybe then they'd figure out that different is a bad. I don't know, man. I don't know. It's got to be a step up from trying to convince a kid that he's something that he's not. At least with this, you're dealing with grown-up idiots who choose to be this way. Summer camp for bigots. Let's get that, let's get that going. All right, one last thing. So I saw something so bewilderingly white trash that it's hilarious and gross. So again, another story of the gas station. Here we go. Two gas station stories in one podcast, but this was yesterday. Um, a woman ahead of me, she's wearing this tiny kiosk, you know, that they have at the gas stations where it's just like a little room with a cash register, basically. And the woman um, ahead of me, she had those tight yoga pant shorts on. And she's leaning against uh, the drink cooler they have in there. Now, I don't think much of this until I looked down and I saw she had the whole corner of the fridge wedged between her butt cheeks. And she was like kind of smushing it around. So if you can picture that, she's got her ass on the corner of this fridge and she's smushing back and forth like a bear on a tree, you know? And I mean, she's probably completely aware of it. Because when I was a kid, I'd take off my sweater by pulling one arm inward, and then I'd place the empty sleeve into my butt crack, and then using that as leverage to get the other arm out, okay? I didn't think anything of it until a kid in grade four said, what are you doing? So anyways, she's rocking back and, back and forth, smooshing her giant butt on this thing like, like Baloo from the Jungle Book. And now my first instinct is like, hey man, I got to get a picture of this. But of course, I certainly did not. Remember that couple I saw banging away in their SUV? Sure, a picture might serve as some kind of like entertainment for strangers on the internet, but the act of taking a picture of something like that in public is just as messed up as what they were doing. Couldn't bring myself to do it. Anyways, we're going to cut it off there. Thanks for listening. Make sure you follow us online. I am at Dave Weasel on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Valley Boys Pod on uh, Twitter, at Valley Boys Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. We're on that TikTok now. Ugh. All right. From Orange County, California, by way of Reseda, good night.